We'll open your Bibles, please, to Matthew chapter 5. For using the Pew Bible, you can find on page 810. We'll continue today our examination of the words of Jesus as found in the Sermon on the Mount. We just concluded our study of the Beatitudes the other day. In the Beatitudes, we learned what citizens of the kingdom of God are to look like. And in the Beatitudes, Christ spoke to his hearers about the identity, about the ethic, about the proper functioning of a follower of Jesus Christ. We learned about the identity of those who have been redeemed by the Lord. We, we learned that those who have been united to Jesus by faith alone in him are citizens of the kingdom of heaven and that they will see God and that they are the children of God. We learned that those who have received Christ as Lord and Savior will inherit the earth, that their Father in heaven is the possessor and the, the great sovereign of all of creation, and, and all that the Father possesses, he will share with his children. The follower of Christ, Jesus says, will also find comfort and true and lasting satisfaction. And they will be possessors of a great reward in heaven. Those are some of the things that we learned about the identity of the believer in the Beatitudes. In the Beatitudes, we also learn about the actions that Christ calls his disciples to engage in. Because those who have been redeemed by the Lord have been made to be recipients of his grace and mercy and love and forgiveness. In return, Christ then calls upon us to be dispensers of that which we have received. And we offer mercy and we seek to restore peace and show love and so on. But also in the Beatitudes, Jesus tells us that, that even though we might seek to love and to bless others in those kind of ways, not everyone will respond to those actions of ours in similar ways. And rather than to respond to those actions of ours with mercy and peace of their own, some instead will respond by hating and persecuting and even reviling us. But still, Christ calls us to love. Even in the face of persecution, we're to love, we're to love even our enemies. And as we transition from the Beatitudes to our passage today, we, we learn Christ's desired outcome of the Christian's way of life. And that desire is, that intention is, that our Father in heaven would be praised. Our passage today will be Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16, but I'll start reading in, in verse 1 of chapter 5. Let's turn our attention now to the reading of God's holy, living, and inerrant word. Matthew writes, speaking of Jesus, Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened up his mouth, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the poor in heart, pure in heart, 
for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good deeds and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this is God's word for you today. The grass may wither and the flower may fade, but the word of the Lord shall endure forever. Please pray with me. Lord God, we do thank you for your enduring word. And we pray that you will send your spirit, that you'll make your spirit be great in us so that so that we might understand great riches from this portion of your holy word. Lord, bless us in that way, we pray. Amen. <clears throat> well, in our passage today, Christ makes use of two metaphors, two word pictures, if you will, to describe the Christian. He says that those who follow him are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Let's consider first that Christians are to be the salt of the earth. And interestingly, at least I thought it was interesting when I was studying this passage this week, this is the only place in Scripture that makes this claim that we are to be the salt of the earth. The reference to being the light of the world or or a light to the world, that type of language appears elsewhere in Scripture. But this is the only place in Scripture where where the people of God are said to be the salt of the earth. Now, what is it that Jesus might mean by this phrase? Well, let's, let's think about salt. What might Jesus be wanting us to understand by making this reference to salt? What is salt? Well, of course, we might initially first think of salt as being a seasoning. And, of course, it, it is that. But, but really, in the ancient world, Salt was first and foremost a preservative. Salt was used to prevent the decay of meat. And so Jesus is wanting to make the point that Christians, that the church, is intended to prevent the decay of a society. The presence of redeemed men and women, boys and girls, who seek to live according to the precepts of the Bible, affirms what is good and right and righteous. And it it shows a watching world what true freedom looks like. It shows how blessing may be found. Blessed are those who, you know, um, that's the the phrase that that we find repeated so often in, in the Beatitude. Blessed are those who live like this. 
We see that in, in verse 6, for instance, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. The Christian shows the world that it's possible to find true joy, true lasting satisfaction in life by living a life of righteousness rather than by living the life of unrighteousness, which only really in the end leads to death and misery and despair. So I mentioned earlier, we we also know that, that salt is a seasoning. The presence of the church in the world, the the presence of a Christian in another person's life is to make that other person's life better. The presence of the church in the society is to make that society better. Our lives are are intended to be a blessing to others. We're, We're to be like salt in a salt shaker. We're, we're, we're to be like a salt dispenser. And, and recognize this, an, an empty salt shaker is of no benefit to anyone. But, but instead, it must first have salt be poured into it so that that salt can then be poured out in order to be a blessing. Those who have been redeemed by the Lord, those, those of us who have had the grace and love and forgiveness and acceptance of the Lord poured into us, Jesus then calls upon us, he calls upon his people then to be a dispenser of that grace and love and forgiveness and acceptance that we've received. We're to be a, a dispenser of those blessings of God, and we are to pour that out onto the lives of others so that they would be blessed, and even so that they might even be one to the Lord. That's what we're told in places of Scripture like 1 Peter 3, 1 and 2. There, Peter says that it's by our conduct that some might come to the Lord. He writes saying that that these people, they may be one without a word when they see your respectful and pure conduct. And 1 Peter 2.12, he says, Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that they may see your good deeds and glorify God. Our lives are intended to have a result, a consequence. And that is that as others see the way we live, and more importantly, they see the joy of salvation that we possess, having been redeemed and accepted by the Lord, they then in return desire that same thing. Not so much that they want to be like us, but because they, they want to know that thing that we know, the love and acceptance of our God, our Father who is in heaven. So Jesus says that that we're to live as the salt of the earth. He also says in this passage that we're to live as the light of the world. In Scripture, light is often used as as a metaphor for God. Of course, God led the people of Israel after the exodus in what? He led them in a pillar of fire. And, and that special Redeemer, servant of God, Messiah, uh, that Isaiah speaks of in, in, in the book by that name, that special servant of God is said to be a light to the nations. 
Isaiah also even says that the people of God, they too are intended to be a light to the nations. You know, also throughout Scripture, light is used as a metaphor for for God's word, for knowledge, for wisdom, for understanding, justice, and righteousness. John refers to Jesus as the light, saying in John 1.9 that the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And he wrote that about Jesus. And then in, in his first epistle, 1 John 1.5, he says that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. And of course, it's also in John where where Jesus declares that he is the light of the world. And John records that in chapters 8 and 9 of his gospel. And here now in Matthew 5 on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus tells his hearers, those people who are gathered there together that day, he tells them that, that those who walk with him will also be the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world, and those who follow him are also the light of the world, he says. And what's important for us to to understand, I think, is is that this statement that we are to be the light of the world, that's that's a statement of reality. It's, It's a descriptor of one's identity, and it's also an indicator of one's purpose. Now, how is it that followers of Christ can be said to be the light of the world? How does that happen? Well, it happens because of how closely we're identified with Jesus. In John 8, 12 and 9, 5, Jesus declares again, as I've made reference to already, that he is the light of the world. And because we've been joined to him by faith, we've been brought into union with him. And what's true of him is now also true of us. Because Jesus is the light of the world and we're found in him, we then share in his light. We reflect his light. Jesus makes that point in in John 8, 12. He, He says, I am the light of the world. And whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. But here's what's important for us to to realize. While it's true that we've been made to be the light of the world, that light of ours is a derivative light. The light that shines from us isn't really a light that we possess, but Jesus Christ is that source and possessor of that light. We simply reflect that light. In other words, and and I've made mention of this before over the years, that our light is like the light of the moon. You know, there is nothing in the moon itself that causes it to glow brightly. But what's happening there? How does the moon shine? Well, of course, the, the moon gives off light simply by reflecting the light of the sun. And so when the moon is positioned so that, it's, so that it's fully facing the sun, it gives off this great glow of a bright full moon. But when the moon isn't positioned so that it's fully in the face of the sun, 
it gives off a lesser partial light. And in those times when it when it isn't there in front of the sun at all, well then then the moon gives off no light. The light that the moon gives off is determined by whether or not it's positioned fully facing the sun or not. And really that same thing is true about you and me. When we're fully facing the sun, and and here I don't mean the sun, S-U-N, but I mean the sun, S-O-N. When the moon isn't facing the sun, S-U-N, it doesn't reflect the brilliance and the radiance and the light of the sun. And when you and I aren't fully facing the sun, meaning the Son of God, when you and I aren't fully facing the Son of God, we won't reflect His brilliance and His radiance, His light either. We won't reflect His glory. And that's the purpose for which we've been made, to become the light of the world. And that purpose isn't just for ourselves, but again, it's intended for others. It's intended for others so that that they would see our good deeds, as Jesus says in this passage, that people would, would watch us live. They would see what Jesus here refers to as good deeds as we walk in the light of Christ, and that those people then would be led to Jesus, that they would be led to his cross, they would be attracted to the cross. They would be attracted to the empty tomb. They would be a, attracted to the one who gives light and life. And then they would give praise to our Father in heaven. That's what Jesus says in, in verse 16. That our purpose is so that others would see our good deeds and give glory to our Father in heaven. You know, 2 Corinthians 4 4 says that, that Satan has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from being able to see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. But then in 2 Corinthians 4 6, Paul says that, that for us, the Lord has let the light shine out of darkness. And that light has, has shone, has, has shined into our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. I'm reminded again of this passage that I commend to you so frequently, 1 Peter 2.9, which tells us that we have been saved to proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And so here's the question for us today. How can we reflect the light of Christ so that others might be drawn to him? Let's consider first how how we might be able to do that, how, how we might be able to let the light of Christ shine through us. How can we do that first as, as individuals? How can we be the light of the world as an individual follower of Jesus? How might we be able to do that? Well, well, Noah, let me encourage you to consider how you might be able to serve as the light of the world to your teammates on your baseball team. 
How might you be able to shine the light of Christ among that group of friends? Maybe you're a, you're a business owner, and, and here we're fortunate to have great examples of this in Ciders Market and Newport Engineering, where Karen and, and the Galbraith, you, you all so beautifully shine forth the light of Christ in your places of business. Any of us in, a, in our workplaces, how can we do that? How can we be the light of the world in our places of employment? Well, we can do that and we can be the salt of the earth also around the, 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 the break table or the, the lunch table in the way in which we engage or, or perhaps refuse to engage in certain conversation where we don't speak badly about our boss, our employer. We don't join in in coarse, coarse joking or, or, uh, or talk. But instead, rather than tear down, we seek to build one another up. We seek to honor the Lord as in our places of work or even young people, students in your schools, you can show forth the light of Christ even by a simple gesture of before a meal, stopping, bowing your head, and giving thanks to the Lord. You don't need to do that in a real dramatic way that draws a lot of attention to yourself. You don't need to do, to do that in a way that, that suggests that you're wanting to show that you are superior to those around you who might not be doing that. You know, that's the type of thing that, that I suspect most of us, maybe all of us, do routinely in our homes before we share a meal. But that's not something that's widespread throughout, throughout our society. And even just that one small gesture can, can have a surprising influence. And I know that that's possible because that was true in my own life. I used to go to a certain hunting preserve in Kansas a couple of times a year. And there was one employee, one of the hunting guides, who would do this. He would come in after a day's hunt, and he would get his, his tray of food, and he would sit down at the table among the other people, and he would just take his hat off and bow his head, offer silently a prayer of thanks, put his hat back on, and then go about eating his meal and joining in in the conversation. And that was something that the Lord used in my life to draw me back to him. That was some 25, 30 years ago. So don't ever underestimate what you can do and, and how you can be a blessing to others and an honor to the Lord by a simple action such as this. How can, how can we as as members of a family, how can we be the light of the world to those in our family? Especially here, I'm thinking of our extended families. But not just our extended family, but also our immediate family. Children, how can you shine forth the light of Christ to your parents? Parents, how can you be the light of the world and set a lamp on the stand rather than under a basket? to help your children learn what it means to trust in and to follow Christ. Grandparents, you have such a vital role 
that you can provide to your grandchildren in this way. Aunts, uncles, to your nieces and nephews. I want to encourage you to consider how you might be able to have an intentional ministry to your family. Reflect the glory of Christ to them. Point them to what God's word says. Point them to Jesus and help them see the joy and satisfaction that comes from being found in him. Young people, how can you be the light of the world? You can, you can invite your friends to young life. You can invite your friends, whether, whether you're a child or, or an adult, invite your friends, invite your neighbors to your homes. Again, pray before that meal. Speak of the Lord. Encourage them. Ask questions of them. And simply love them. Love them well. What about online? What type of social media presence do you have? Do you honor the Lord? Do you shine forth the light of Christ in your Facebook postings or Instagram postings and other things that you may may post online? You know, those, those are just some some small ways that we can function as the light of the world as individuals. What what about as a church? And and I want to want us to really consider this because if you if you consider the words of Jesus here, look at this passage. And he says he's talking to a large group of people and he says you are the light of the world. The you in this passage is a plural you. But notice that the light is a singular light. You all are the light of the world. You all together, collectively, are the one light of the world. And I think a way for us to to possibly be able to understand this is think about what happens on a Christmas Eve candlelight service. As the end of that service draws near and the lights are dimmed and, and as we sing Silent Night and the sanctuary is dark except for for the the advent candle, the Christ candle that is lit there up front. And then we light one candle off of that Christ candle. And then we share that light. We pass that light down as each of us lights our own candle until what happens eventually. Of course, eventually the whole sanctuary is illuminated. And friends, that's God's desire for the church and for the world. We are brighter together. When we walk together with our brothers and sisters in Christ, the light of Christ shines, and it shines brighter than it can when we live life individually. And so, again, another question for us today is how can we as a church, how can we as a group of of followers of Jesus, how can we be that bright light, that city on a hill for all to see? How, how might we be able to do that? Well, we, we do that through the various ministries of our church as we minister to the children among us. 
as we educate our children, as we educate adults in, in the Christian faith, as we build up one another's faith, as we encourage one another, as we post our sermons online, as perhaps on a Monday morning when we return to our workplaces and we talk about our weekends, we share about what we, what we did that weekend, how we worship the Lord, how you were encouraged by worship, and then you invite that person to come and join us. How else might might we as a church be able to shine forth the light of Christ in in Franklin County? Well, we could we could do that as we partner with other local ministries whom the Lord has brought us into relationship with, ministries such as Safe Kids, and we there can can be a light of the world to homeless youth and at risk youth as we minister to them. We can be the light of the world to women in crisis pregnancy and, and women who are struggling to provide for their young children as we come alongside your other mother, that wonderful ministry. Young life, we can help the word of God spread throughout our schools of our county as we, as we come alongside Gavin and Lay and, and other friends of ours at Young Life as we seek to introduce students to Jesus Christ, their one hope in this life. We can encourage, we can partner with our missionaries whom we support. Nick McDonald at the University of of, uh, Missouri, John Kathy Rugg in Chile, and, and Steve and Amy Robertson giving leadership to all of our denominations missionaries throughout the Western Hemisphere. Gary Johnson and his ministry in Sweden and and elsewhere throughout the world. We are called to let the light of Christ shine. You know, our call to confession and repentance this morning was, was from the letter of 1 John. And there the Apostle John tells us that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and we do not live by the truth. Are you walking fully in the light of Christ? Or must you confess that that you're walking in darkness? Do you show forth the righteousness, the beauty, the the glory of your Father in heaven like a full moon fully reflects the brilliance of the sun? Or do you show forth darkness like a new moon that produces no light at all? Or or are you, am I perhaps, more like that that sliver of a moon that, that looks like a fingernail, like a moon that produces just a little bit of light from time to time? Brothers and sisters in Christ, your God in heaven gave us the moon and the stars to give us light in the darkness. And he's given us his son, his son, Jesus Christ, to give light to the world, to give light to you. Walk in that light. Walk in the light of the Son of God. Walk in his ways. Find your satisfaction in him. And when you do, you will be like a light shining brightly in this dark world like a light shining on a hill. You'll, you'll be a light shining the way to the cross. You'll be a light shining the way to the one who is the sun, the one who is the light of the world. And as we do that, we'll show forth the glory of our Father in heaven. 
and people will praise him and people will embrace him in faith. Let's pray that the Lord will enable us to live out our identity and our calling as the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Please pray with me. Lord God, that is our prayer, that you would shine forth brightly through our lives. Lord, may we serve as a, as a preservative in a society that seems to be dying. May, may we serve as a seasoning, as a way of a, a, a vehicle of blessing, your blessing to people, Lord. And may we show the joy that it is to know and to follow Jesus and to be redeemed by him and to be reconciled with you and to know you as our Father to know Christ as our Savior, as our brother, as our friend in the Spirit, as our guide, our comforter. Lord, enable us to know our identity and to live that out as followers of Jesus. Be pleased to do that, Lord, we pray. Amen.